Welcome to the Are Your Hands Full podcast, a step-by-step parenting podcast for your Jewish family. My name is Dr. S. Yaroslavitz, and I hope you enjoy this episode. This is a lecture that I recorded about 10 years ago, right before Purim. It was also recorded before the two most recent Siyumei Hashas. So the numbers and the math might be outdated, although the concepts are very much applicable today. I hope you enjoy this lecture. Unfortunately, this yantif reminds us very, very, very much of Zachar S. Asher Asalacha Amalek, of all the Amaleks from all the diarists and all the generations that tried to get rid of us, that tried to annihilate us. And in particular, the most recent Amalek, that we've had was the Amalek of the Nazis, the Amalek of the camps, the Amalek of the World War II. We have Makairis that tell us very, very, very clearly that the Nazis were definitely genetically passed right down from Haman, right down from Amalek, and we know this. We have Rachel Weissmandel who tells us that it'll take us thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of years geometrically and mathematically to recreate what we lost. We know that in the Nuremberg trials of 1946, we have a famous story of how 10 Nazis were hung, and the last one's name was Jules Streicher, and we all know the story about right before he was hung, as he was brought to the gallows, he screamed out, Purim Fest. We know that with the word Purim Fest, there was all kinds of excitement. There are uh, hints in the Megillah that tell us of the the letters in, in the names of Haman that were small, if you add them all up that it comes to the English date, the Hebrew date, the English date of 1946. We know very clearly exactly who Hitler was, and we know very, very clearly exactly who the Nazis were. And we have a mitzvah to remember, Zachar es asher asa lacha Amalek. We have a mitzvah to remember what Amalek did to us. Now, the question is how you makayim that mitzvah. Are you making that mitzvah by standing, by rushing to shul and standing there while they're laying two psukim or three psukim and shine, Yotigavain, you're done? You remembered for four and a half seconds what Amalek did to all of the diaries of Yiddishkeit? Or are we supposed to really, really, really take time and remember what Amalek has done for us? We should take away from our busy schedules and just remember and try to do something about it. All right, so let's first talk about what Amalek did to the Kedoshim. The Kedoshim themselves, the most recent batch of Kedoshim that we have from, the, from World War II, and we have the magic number, unfortunately, of 6 million. I want to tell you that most of us don't have a clue of what 6 million means. We don't have a clue. We can't even absorb that number. We can't even understand that number. We just know that it was a lot, a lot, a lot of yid. Now, I'm going to try to help you visualize what 6 million is. And it's going to upset you, but I think it's important. Zachar es asher amalek. For those of you who have, can imagine the biggest group of Yidin you ever were together with. Was it a Rebbe Shechasana that maybe had four or 5,000 Yidin together in one place? Was it maybe a very large Asifa that maybe had five or six or 7,000? The largest one I can think of is the Siyam Ashas that took place the last two times in Madison Square Garden. Okay, so Madison Square Garden, for those of you who are listening away from New York City, Madison Square Garden is a large, large, large place here in New York City. It holds 20,000 people. And the Siyam Ashas, Taka had 20,000 even in one place. And it was Taka the most amazing, amazing feeling to be there. 
That was a lot of Yidin, 20,000 Yidin. And I remember we davened Mincha together, we davened Mayrib together. I remember the looks on the ushers' faces when they said Kaddish and everybody said Yehesh Me Rabbah together, you could mamish cry. And then when it came time to stand Shtilish Monesri, all of a sudden there were 20,000 people davening Shtilish Monesri. You could have heard a pin drop in Madison Square Garden, a pin drop. And you saw the look on their faces. I don't think these are going, I don't think they ever, ever, ever saw Madison Square Garden full and quiet. Full and quiet, it was a phenomenon. 20,000 Eden, wow, we were so proud of ourselves. I was sitting there with my daughters at that time, and I turned to them and I said, let's do some math. This is a math lesson. And I said to them, how many Madison Square Gardens do we need to get to 100,000 Eden? Okay, so that was an easy one. If Madison Square Garden holds 20,000 Eden, multiply it by five and you get 100,000 Eden. Five Madison Square Gardens is 100,000 Eden. Beautiful. As I said to them, so how many Madison Square Gardens will lead to a million Eden? They still didn't know where I was driving. They didn't know where I was going with this conversation. How many Madison Square Gardens to a million Eden? Okay, so one of my kids figured it out that 10 times 100,000 is a million. So it must be 10 times the five Madison Square Gardens, which is 50 Madison Square Gardens for a million Eden. 50, 50, five zero Madison Square Gardens for a million Eden. And then I turned to them and I said, so how many Madison Square Gardens for 6 million Yidin? And their faces dropped because they hopped where I was headed in this conversation. How many Madison Square Gardens did Hitler take care of? How many Madison Square Gardens did Hitler take away from us? 50 times 6. 300 Madison Square Gardens. It could make you sit down and cry and weep. Three, can you imagine 300 Madison Square Gardens? Could you imagine such a thing? And then I turned to them and I said, you see this group of 20,000 people? Half of Madison Square Garden he took away every day. Every day he deported 10,000, 12,000. What did we lose? What did we lose? We lost 300 Madison Square Gardens. Do you have any idea how many even that is? Kedoshim, each and every one of them. And then I turned to them and I said, now you see how precious you are? Now you see how each and every child that we have is a shavis, a plate, is a nace, because what it will take for us to redo 300 Madison Square Garden. We just have no clue what we lost. And I think that part of the mitzvah, a huge amount of the mitzvah, is to zachar es asher asalacha amalek, is to remember what we lost, to pay attention to what we lost, so that we can rebuild. Now, that's just half the story. That's just what Hitler did to the Kedoshim. Now let's talk about what Hitler did to the survivors. Baruch Hashem, there were survivors. Nothing compared to what we lost, but there were survivors. What happened? What did Hitler do to the survivors? We are living with it until today. We are now, Baruch Hashem, second, third, moving into fourth generation survivors of what Amalek did to us, and we still are not back emotionally, physically, to what we were from before, nowhere near it. And I think it's important to understand how and why. First of all, we lost the link to our Messiah. 
So our parents who arrived, um, in, in my case it was my parents, but our parents and grandparents who arrived on the shores of either America or Eretz Yisrael without a shirt on their back, having lost everybody and everything, and how these people picked themselves up and married and had more families and more children is beyond the scope of any Alpiderich Ateva understanding, and we all know that it was pure siyata deshmaya because the Rabbanu Shalom promises us that Klal Yisrael will never die and Klal Yisrael will never die. And therefore the Rabbanu Shalom gave siyata deshmaya to them and had them pick themselves up and marry and, and have families. Can you imagine without a single public dollar without a single therapist, without a single help, without anybody to tell them what to do or hold their hands. They just came to a country. They didn't know the language. They couldn't speak a word of English. They just marched onto these shores and built. Do we have any idea what these people must have been made out of? Do we have any idea what these people built? And why did they do it? Why did they go out on a limb? For the Nitzchis of Klal Yisrael. And they did whatever they could. And everything is Lamala Minateva. It makes no sense. But as much as we say that what they did was amazing, they were what we consider post-trauma. They were after a huge trauma. And different people reacted differently to this trauma. Some were too permissive on their children. They let them have everything. Some were too strict on their children. They didn't let them have enough. Some spoke too much. Some spoke too little. Most most, most survivors were totally guilt-ridden. We call it survival guilt. Most of them were guilty. Many of them were having nightmares. Healthy it wasn't. They did it. They put bread on the table and they raised us. How? I don't know. I remember being in kindergarten. And I remember the teacher teaching us. Are you ready for this? What is a Baba? What is a Baba? It had to be taught. A Baba is your mother's mother. And most of us, our mothers, didn't have mothers. What do you mean? A mother should have a mother? We're, 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 they didn't, kids didn't know that such a phenomenon existed. What do you mean a mother has a mother? That's funny. I remember that in my kindergarten class, a group of 30 little girls, four children had babas. Four! And you need to remember or understand how orphaned we were, how much of a daryasim we were. And all of them, of course, stripped the food. That was a universal issue with the eating and the pushing and the guilt. And they built up their own parenting shulchan aruch. They built up their own parenting shulchan aruch and considering what Hitler tried to do to us and what did to us, they did a very, very, very phenomenal job. The question is, is this Shulchan Aruch of parenting that they built up without the Messiah, without having anybody to ask, without being able to go back to their mothers and grandmothers to get the Messiah of parenting Abu Yiddishkeit? Was this parenting that they gave over to us, was it enough for us to give over to the next generation and the generation after? Hitler definitely broke the chain. He broke the chain. He didn't break it completely, but he broke the chain. And our job is to reconnect our job is to reconnect and solder up that chain back to pre-war days, back to Messiah, back to the Torah, back to where we come from so that our future second, third, fourth, fifth generation will be rebuilt stronger than ever. And that's what Zachar Es Asher Asolacha Amalek means. Remember what they did and build with a vengeance. 
build with an itinerary, build with an agenda. We're going to build. We're going to get back at him and we're going to rebuild parenting. We're going to rebuild Messiah exactly the way it was before the war. Thanks for listening to my podcast. My name is Dr. S. Yaroslavitz and I am the director of Handsful, which is committed to the provision of community education in the area of behavior management and cognitive development of children. Send me your parenting questions by going to my website at handsfullchenoch.com or by WhatsApping me at 718-714-8595. I look forward to hearing from you. And remember, no matter how impossible things may seem, the earth will continue rotating on its axis.